This is a special episode of the Slowing Down podcast. I'm your host, Jana Slow Akimova. As some of you may know, I grew up in Moscow and left Russia almost 10 years ago for many reasons, including my political views. The attack of the Russian army on Ukraine shocked me deeply. It's absolutely unacceptable and should have never happened. During the protests here in Montreal, I spoke to Ukrainian people and found out that some of us shared similar feeling of guilt for being so far away from our friends and families. I once again recognize the importance of human connections and mutual support in such divided world. In this episode, I am speaking with my dear friend, Pavel Fedorov. Pavel is a wonderfully talented filmmaker from Odessa, Ukraine. He moved to the Cinema Hub, California many years ago. We met in Mexico City last winter and instantly connected and became friends. To be honest, I hadn't had a plan for this conversation. It was rather a spontaneous dialogue between two Russian-speaking people experiencing the war from different perspectives, being an ocean away from the tragedy. Here I need to mention that both of us were born in the Soviet Union, but we grew up in different countries with different self-identities. It can be confusing for some, but it is like being born in Canada and the United States, where Canada is Ukraine and the United States is Russian Federation. Also, Ukrainian language was suppressed by Russian language during the Soviet times. But forgive me for this simplification, which is not relevant here politically nor ideologically and hopefully will never be. Pavel and I decided to speak in English so that our international friends could relate to us. Finally, super important, in the description of this episode, you'll find links to various ways to get engaged and help Ukraine. Please check them out, follow Pavel on Instagram and stay connected. Now let me welcome my friend, Pavel Fedorov. Hi, Pavel. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for inviting me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, that's rough times. And uh, we're recording it on March 19th. And it's been a while. So it's more than three weeks since the very sad and shocking events. How are you? How are you doing? Well, I'm in Los Angeles right now. It's early morning. Um, another day that starts with... Uh, checking up on your relatives, uh, your friends, whether they're alive or not. Every morning you wait for good news and uh, rarely you get them. Mm -hmm. I don't even know how to answer the question, how am I? It's been asked for so many times and not so many things changed. Uh, and my reply is that I'm not so well. I'm stressed, um, having emotional waves, mm -hmm. but still here and trying to be helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel you. Um, maybe if you could briefly talk a little bit about yourself and at what point of your life this news caught you. Mm -hmm. If you could give us a little history on your own life. 
I was born in Odessa, Ukraine. Uh, I was born in Soviet Union. And I lived in Odessa for 30 years. I've been traveling a lot. And uh, professionally, I chose the career of a filmmaker. I started as a photographer, but then gradually I transitioned to cinematography and to directing. I did documentary projects. Uh, I did music videos. I did uh, some narrative work as well. Since I had a desire, since early childhood, a desire to travel, and I'm thankful to my mom for it. Mm -hmm. For me, it was just a question of time when exactly I will immigrate to a different country, because uh, in my mind, I didn't want to spend my whole life in one place. Mm -hmm. In 2016, I had a journey to the United States. I just went for two weeks just to travel uh, and look around. It was my second time in the United States, but after a very long break. Um, so when I was there, I just decided, uh, yeah, now's the time. So I stayed because my travel visa allowed me to. And then I applied for talent visa since I had some, some work done that was uh, internationally acknowledged. And I was able to obtain this visa. And since 2016, I'm residing in the United States. Mm -hmm. I lived in San Francisco at first for five years, mm -hmm. and now I moved to Los Angeles uh, last December. When the news caught me, I was in the middle of uh, settling down in LA, building my community, looking for work, mm -hmm. just continuing my journey, building new friendships, new connections. Mm -hmm. And then all of this happened and life changed dramatically. You're uh, everyday, everyday moments, uh, I don't know, your routine, it's all different now. Yeah. Have you been to Odessa since uh, 2016? Yes, I've been there just once uh, in 2018. <laughs> That's so similar to me because I moved to the United States in 2016, mm -hmm. landed directly to Los Angeles. And the last time I, I've been to Moscow, where I'm from, uh, in 2018. So that's fascinating yeah. parallels. <laughs> From what I remember, when you move to another place, the first couple of weeks feel like kind of very slow and everything is new and then you get used to it and you um, start perceiving your own time in this new place differently. Um, if you could a little bit maybe talk about how, how was your perception of time during this last couple of weeks before the events and then during the events and after, and now it's been for more than three weeks. It's not my first time in Los Angeles, so it's not like I moved to a completely new place. So it's kind of, I moved and there was like action right away mm -hmm. since the day one. The only slowdown was after New Year's when I think I got COVID mm -hmm. and uh, I just stayed uh, at home for a week uh, and a couple of days since I recovered. The perception of time is weird in my life, mm -hmm. especially in LA when you're moving from one area to another and you spend like 30 to 40 minutes to travel. Mm -hmm. After February 24th, mm -hmm. it's very weird. It's like one long day. It's hard for me to understand or to process the thought that it's been three weeks and the fourth week just started. Mm -hmm. I remember exactly where I was when I heard the news. I remember where I went and... Uh, it's just one long day. Mm. Do you feel like even under this tragic and stressful circumstances that somehow this psyche is 
adapting in a weird way or it's not really adapting for you? I think, uh, yes. I think that as human beings, uh, we are capable of adapting to all possible situations. Um, a couple of days ago, I uh, had some work. I'm a freelancer, so it's not that I have work all the time, but when I have, uh, I take it. So I had to work for uh, my American clients, and uh, I was very thankful to them for hiring me, of course. Mm-hmm. And I had to travel for this work. And for me, it was a moment when I mm-hmm. left for a few days the like my current state, and I had to focus on a little bit different things. And I started to think... There's another life that is happening. People are working, people are smiling, people are doing other things. And Mm -hmm. it was very weird for me. I mean, I understand that there is war everywhere in the world every day. I understand that. Mm -hmm. But right now, for me personally, it's a little bit different. And that's why it's weird that life keeps on going somewhere while people are dying in my country. Mm -hmm. In that sense, my brain kind of adapting to it, but I'm telling it not to. Mm -hmm. I don't want to adapt to this situation. I don't want for it to feel or be normal until it's over. Yeah. I remember when the news just broke and we're here on this side of the world. Everything is delayed, right? We wake up and there already so many things have happened on the other side of the planet. Mm -hmm. And you're almost like catching up. And then I remember I wanted to be synchronized to the events. The schedule of life was lost. It felt that my mind is across the ocean, mm-hmm. but my body somehow had to function here, but the body was not relative anymore. So, and it took me a while to just start connecting these two things together again. Yeah. Um, did you feel this way or? I just read uh, yesterday, I think, uh, the post, Instagram post of a very close friend of mine. She had to leave Ukraine with uh, her kids. And um, she's somewhere in Spain right now, I think. And she wrote uh, that she feels as an avatar. Mm-hmm. Like that her body right now, physically in one place, but her mind and uh, her heart is uh, where it always have been and never left. Uh, which is Ukraine. Mm-hmm. What I feel, mm-hmm. the news that I receive, uh, they are coming from Ukraine every minute. Like I have a Telegram channel, an official news channel that is uh, coming to my phone every minute. Mm-hmm. It's nonstop, 24 hours. Mm-hmm. So me and my friend, my Ukrainian friend who we connected uh, with here, um, we were so into it that once we took the phone off, like we, we just put it down, we were like, oh my God, are we in LA? How is this possible? LA is full of helicopters because most probably it's the most efficient way for police forces to travel around the city. So when you hear a helicopter above you, mm. you will feel like this is a, a military helicopter and you're there. Or like if you if you hear loud noise, then you will shiver a little bit. Um, maybe this is weird because I'm here in LA, I'm not there, but I have experienced this. It's like double exposure of two realities. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Could you please share a little bit for our listeners, how are your friends and relatives are right now, as far as you know, and like the closest to you? I have friends all over Ukraine, 
And uh, one friend of mine, he was um, in uh, Mariupol for six days. There was no connection with him. Uh, last thing I knew was that he's hiding with his family somewhere underground. And then for six days, there was no connection with him. And you just hear how uh, the city was just brutally destroyed. And I didn't know what to feel and what to think. Uh, I just I just hoped that he is somehow safe and alive. Mm -hmm. And thankfully, he was able to get out yesterday. Um, that was a, that was a miracle. Like I woke up and I received a message from him that, hey, I am alive, all good. And that was such a relief. But then I have uh, a friend and his family uh, somewhere near Kiev. The last information that I heard a couple of days ago is that he's stuck between two armies. He saw the Russian military thing that was standing somewhere in the neighbor's yard and it was firing mm -hmm. uh, missiles towards Ukrainian side and then Ukrainian side was firing missiles towards uh, Russian side and he was kind of in the middle of this and uh, he wrote the horrible things that was happening in this village that he stayed at and also like I didn't know what to feel and think but this morning thankfully he wrote that they were able to get out from there as well so I don't know Like I'm thankful to whatever force there is uh, that helped my friends. Uh, mm -hmm. Still, there are a lot of people are dying every day, and uh, it's it's crazy. My my relatives they are in Odessa. Mm -hmm. Odessa feels safe right now, if you can say so. So, mm -hmm. who I know, there they're not leaving; they're staying. A couple of my friends, they volunteered. Now they carry weapons and they're protecting the city. Uh, my friend sends me photos with his gun laying in the trench and staring into the bushes and because this is one of the directions where mm -hmm. and the enemy can come. And I cannot understand this. I, I just cannot understand how a friend of mine who is my age, mm -hmm. who's a peaceful person, mm -hmm. runs his cafe businesses right now in the trench with a gun waiting for the enemy and if the enemy will come he most probably will shoot mm -hmm. because if he won't that person will shoot at him and this is 21st century this is ukraine yeah and odessa it's such a european like wonderful city like one of the most beautiful cities in the world i've ever visited yeah it is it is and i miss it a lot yeah Mm -hmm. I watched um, recently on Netflix this documentary about uh, Maidan, uh, The Winter on Fire, which you also, I think, uh, recommended. Mm -hmm. uh, just watching the documentary about the courage and the identity, this very strong identity of being Ukrainians from different backgrounds that just felt so incredible. I recently rewatched the film too, and it uh, freshened up the memories in my mind. Mm -hmm. I remember a lot of things that happened there, mm -hmm. but that was not the first revolution that united us. We first had an orange revolution in 2004. Mm -hmm. It was the elections between Yushchenko and Yanukovych, and uh, mm -hmm. the elections were absolutely fabricated, and people just didn't agree with this. and. We were able to speak up, to say that we don't like this, we don't agree, 
let's do it again. And we did it again, and the candidate won. It was the first step of, um, of our nation to go on the path of uh, being strong and confident nation, that we were growing. This, this was like the first step we understood that we can say something, we will be heard and we can fight for what is right. Mm-hmm. Then Maidan happened. I remember this clearly. I remember how Yanukovych, he went to Europe and how he was about to sign the document about the European path that our country chose. Mm-hmm. For me and for people around me, it was absolutely logical. Like, Soviet Union is the past. We don't want to go to Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. We want to be free, democratic country. Mm-hmm. And we are. And we couldn't believe that this horrible president that we had is able to go there and sign the paper. But he went and he was about to sign it. But then he mm-hmm. didn't. And then we were like, hey, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> We don't agree with this. Like, we don't want to go to go back from where we were trying to escape. Mm-hmm. So this is how Maidan started. And this is like the second time when our nation felt that we are all together. And that, that was like the second step of feeling how united we are. Mm-hmm. And then this. Uh, I think that because we had these previous events, Uh, Maidan was horrible, it was very brutal, people died there. Uh, The weirdest thing was for me to see that the fight was inside the country. There was like this Birkut, these pro-government assassins, uh, militia, these horrible people who Mm -hmm. were killing their own, like they speak Ukrainian language. Mm -hmm. There's like one group of people who are fighting for what is right and then there's another Mm -hmm. group of people who is serving this horrible president, this horrible government, and they all speak Ukrainian. It was like super weird for me. It's like almost like a civil war in a way. Yeah, kind of. And it was a step. Like, uh, it it was a step. Our current president, I think it was the most uh, democratic elections in the history of our country. Mm -hmm. He won. No one doubted it. And he became a president. Mm -hmm. And now he's doing an amazing job. I'm sitting here and I'm uh, listening to you and... Uh, I feel this waves of goosebumps for what you're saying. Is there maybe something what you would like to share? Something on this surface, on maybe on top of your chest or on top of your head? Uh, I really, really, really wish that more people will wake up and realize that uh, current events are unacceptable and it's impossible to support it. It's, it's impossible. Mm-hmm. I'm very, very sad that Russian propaganda works so well on, on Russian people. There is propaganda everywhere. Everywhere in every country is trying to say something that he wants people to hear. And everyone wants to be agreed with, kind of. But the difference is, is here in the United States, There are so many different channels of information and none of them are blocked. Mm -hmm. None. You are choosing what to listen to, who to listen to, and how to build up your mind. And it was the same way in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. I don't remember that certain channels of information were blocked. Mm -hmm. Never. 
Well, what I see is happening in Russia that <laughs> everything is blocked there. Yeah. I mean, if you are in your right mind and if you're there, why you're questioning the information that is coming to you from Ukraine and not questioning the situation that is happening in your country? Mm -hmm. It's so sad for me. I just wish that people of Russia will somehow stand up and uh, say their word and will not eat that shit anymore and will just overthrow their government and uh, will not let for another Soviet Union happen. Because people of Ukraine will, will never go back. Mm -hmm. I'm not even talking about my country and for the horrible things that are happening there. I'm talking about Russia and people who live there who are, of course, suffering as well. But the only way for them to, to survive long term and to save themselves is to somehow rise and do the things inside, overthrow their government. And that's the only way for them to become heroes who saved uh, their own people and their own country. And if that will happen then I'm sure that different national identity feeling will come to Russian people. It will not be built on hate towards other nations that is all over the news in Russia. Mm -hmm. What we experience right now in Ukraine is not built on hate, as some people say as well. It's built on love and support to each other. We love ourselves, we love our people, and we want them to live and not to not to die. Mm -hmm. We want to protect our land and our people. And in my heart, I feel that Russian people have similar values. Yeah. And I really want for them to unite, not on hate, not on this stupid war shit, but unite on love to other people, to themselves, and to stop the madness that is happening. Yeah, I wish that too. Like, oh man... I dream about that every day. How can we help today? What can we do? What our listeners who uh, want to engage, be them Russians or Ukrainians or Canadians or Americans who are listening to this podcast, um, what can we do today? The most important thing, in my opinion, is at least to care, uh, to speak about it, to spread information. Um, if, if you can donate to different organizations to help, that is also very good because uh, we need support. Mm -hmm. We're going to provide the links on, in the description of this podcast. There's a lot of different organizations that collect uh, money and they distribute it into different channels. Um, I want to add that Ukrainians did not want to leave their country. Ukrainians love their country. Of course, there are people who wanted to leave, and I am the example of it. Uh, but it was not because I didn't like my country. Totally different thing. But right now, a few million of Ukrainians left, and they are refugees. It was not something that they were planning or expecting, especially like with little babies. This is all horrible. So, mm -hmm. first of all, I know that a lot of people all over the world help. It's, it's amazing. People find work, mm -hmm. people give work, uh, people give shelters. Um, everything is working, but um, I would say that spreading the information, spreading the word, building an empathy, empathy and um, 
providing all kind of help uh, is essential, of course. Mm -hmm. And I think soon uh, in Canada, their program for refugees will be open. So for our Canadian listeners, consider hosting Ukrainian refugees at your homes. Yeah, that is great. Pasha, thank you so much for joining me today during this rough times. I really, really do appreciate that uh, you found the time and energy for this uh, conversation with me. Thank you so much, uh, Jeanne, for inviting me to your podcast. And it was a pleasure talking to you, of course. I miss I miss our times <laughs> in Mexico. Yes, peaceful times. They will come. I believe in that yeah. soon. Yeah, uh, Big hugs and yeah. warm love. Okay, thanks for listening to this very special episode of the Slowing Down podcast. And if you know anyone who can find it helpful or interesting, please share with them. Also, don't forget to find Pavel on Instagram and follow him. Check all the links in the description of this episode. There you'll find Pavel and various ways to help and support Ukraine right now. There are many ways to do so for all of us. Okay, take care until the next time. Thank you.